Well, good Sunday morning to you. I'm glad you've chosen to be with us today. And, um, you know, once again, we're sorry we have to stay all virtual, but uh, just hang in there. We're going to be face-to-face worship hopefully sooner than, than, uh, than we anticipate. But uh, we're, we're thankful that you've joined us this morning, and I trust that life is good. You're all well. Uh, you hunkered down at home and able to cut off your distractions and worship the Lord in spirit and the truth. Just want to cover a couple of uh, things and a couple of announcements just to remind you, of course, you know, with us being virtual, we're still virtual with our Sunday school classes. Um, if you still want to participate, you can at any time. Uh, just have to let Donna Felker or myself know you'd like to participate in one of the Sunday school classes because we do have to send out um, an invite so that you can come into the class. Uh, my class meets on Tuesday evenings at 6.30. Donna's class meets on Thursday evenings at 6 o'clock. Uh, also, Connie Thompson is continuing with the ladies' Bible study at 10.30 on Wednesday mornings. Of course, anyone is, any of the ladies are welcome to be, participate on that. And through the month of, of February, we, we know that our gathering ladies will, will meet virtually again. Uh, also, uh, the, the men's group, who we haven't met in the last couple of months, we're anticipating actually having the, the men's, men's group come in for a, a breakfast here in the church building instead of going to a restaurant kind of control the environment a little bit, at least through the month of February. So we'll have more detail about that to all you men as well. But I think basically that's, that's all the announcements. Now, one thing we, we have done uh, to kind of uh, ease some of, of some concerns, we thankful to, to Walter who has put in uh, a scrubbing sanitized unit through our air conditioner system throughout the building. So the air is being sanitized as I speak. And when you come back into the building, that will be a filtered uh, air that you come back into. This is something a little bit we've provided to make things a little bit uh, safer. And uh, we're anticipating that on Sunday, uh, first Sunday of February, February 7th, that we'll open the doors back to face-to-face worship. Now, we're still evaluating that as the days go by. Something could change, and we'll let you know next week if that's, that happens. The deacons will be calling uh, on, on next Monday as well. By then, we'll, we should know for sure, uh, but we're anticipating opening up uh, back to face face worship uh, first Sunday of, of February, which is February 7th. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, you've been missed, I promise you, and you're loved, and we want you back. Uh, and we also know that uh, several congregational members have already begun to uh, be vaccinated, and that's good news. And uh, those who all have had coronavirus kind of within our church family through the Christmas holidays, they've all recovered. So we've built up a little bit of immunity uh, in our congregation. That's good news. It's sad that we all had to do it that way, but uh, many of us all have recovered from that. And, um, and so we're looking forward to the time that we can come in and, and uh, take off the mask <laughs> and uh, enjoy one another um, and get a hug and a handshake. And I think it's coming uh, sooner uh, than we expect. And so just kind of keep up with what's going on. The numbers are coming down. I'm watching those things. Uh, and... And so there are some good news down the, down the road, but we look forward to that. A couple things just to remind you. When we do come back face-to-face worship, uh, we are going to ask that you enter the building with a mask. As you exit the building, you will exit with your mask. As you sit in the congregation, if you're more comfortable wearing your mask all the way through worship, we encourage you to do so. If you're not uh, that comfortable doing that, you can take it off during the worship time. Uh, but, uh, and we'll minimize our movements and, as we always have done. But uh, we look forward to the time we can come back safely to be together and to worship uh, the Lord. But today, 
We're here to worship. We're here to focus on Him. And the great news is today I have the gathering gang with me. So they're going to be providing the music this morning. So it's exciting to know that I've got someone other than, uh, well, Dan's a special one now that hears it off, but it's just to have someone other than Dan in the building. And, uh, and also Dora, a uh, little stuffed animal. But anyway, uh, thank you for being here. And let's worship together. And let's focus on the Lord. And be still and know that He is God. And recognize His greatness today. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it. Well, once again, good morning to everyone. Let's have a morning prayer together and just uh, bow our hearts and uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, th we thank you for this day that you've given us and a day in which we can rejoice and celebrate together, to celebrate all that we have together uh, and the commonality that we all share, all because of the Lord Jesus. And we thank you that wherever we're at, in the places that we're at right this very second, um, that your, your presence is with us. Your spirit is at large working in the inner crevices of our hearts. And we thank you. We thank you for all the many blessings and the provision that we all have. We thank you for the good health that we have. And we just pray that, that each and every one of us today can just focus on you, focus upon you as our creator God, to recognize you as our friend, as a God and king, and, and lift you up amongst all things, that your majesty is displayed. And all that we do together through the music and through the time that we have together to focus on you, that it uh, points our hearts and our minds heavenward. Again, thank you for being the God that you are, and thank you for the privilege of us being your children. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Jesus, friend of sinners, we have strayed so far away. Cut down people in your name But the sword was never ours to save Jesus, friend of sinners The truth's become so hard to see The world is on their way to you But they're tripping over me Always looking around but never looking up I'm so double-minded A plank I'd say with dirty hands and a heart divided Oh Jesus, friend of sinners Open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers Let our hearts be led by mercy Help us reach with open hearts and open doors Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, break our hearts, oh, and break yours. Jesus, friend of sin. 
in us Open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers Let our hearts be led by mercy And help us reach with open hearts and open doors Yeah, Jesus, friend of sinners Break our hearts for what breaks yours Love every lost cause You reach for the outcast For the leopard and the lame They're the reason that you came Lord, I was that lost cause And I was that outcast But you died for sinners just like me A grateful leopard at your feet Oh, Jesus sinners open our hearts to the earth at the end of our pointing fingers let our hearts be led by mercy help us reach with open hearts and open doors yeah Jesus friend of sinners break our hearts for what breaks yours guys, I want to bring a message to you that is entitled, Love in Action. Love in Action. And that beautiful song that was sung just a moment ago, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And I'm so thankful that Christ is our example when we're talking about love in action. And that's what I hope to bring out through this message this morning that's found in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 14 through 16. And if you give you a moment to turn there, turn to your scripture and, and keep it there, because we're going to be referring to these various verses all throughout the message. But in Romans 12, verses 14 through 16, to kind of give you the context, here was Paul. You know, Paul wrote the book of Romans while he was under guard. And yet, at the same time, it's amazing all of the, the beautiful theology that's wrapped up into the book of Romans. And one of those chapters that stands out, out of the entire book, is that of chapter 12. It begins speaking about uh, the mercy of God, urging us through that mercy of God to present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. And it challenges us not to be conformed uh, to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can discern what is good, so that we can be the example that's pleasing, and we understand the perfect will of God. And then Paul moves into the middle part of what we're getting ready to read, moves down into further discussion. And here in chapter 12, verse 14 through 16, it becomes a passage that reminds us about love and action. And of course, you know Paul, Apostle Paul, had to have had ultimate example in mind of that of his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior and my Savior. It begins in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise 
in your own estimation. Think of this one statement and let this statement run throughout the entire message this morning. Love, let love be without pretense. Let love be without pretense. Now, let me give you an example of why I make that statement, which is really scripture, is this. Have you ever had someone in whom you were an acquaintance with that if you were to be honest with yourself, you really didn't like them? And they approach you and you come up and they, as you're in the conversation, you're smiling at them. You're, in, you're into the, the conversation with them, but you're trying to find the fastest way to get out and get away from them. That's love with a pretense. Now, take that same situation, and that person approaches you, and you genuinely are glad to see them, even though there may be miles between you, and there may be a lot of things that have happened, and you may be uncomfortable, but because of the fact that Jesus lives within you, you look at them and you look at them through Jesus' eyes and you see them as a person who needs to be loved, a person who needs to be embraced, a person who you need in your own life to help you to become better in your love in action everywhere you go. See, that's taking the love of a pretense and turning it around. And so think of that statement, let love be without pretense. When you think of the responsibility that we have as Christians, you can sum it up in one call, the call to genuine love. It is a call that demonstrates basically our loyalty to God. It demonstrates to fellow believers inside the body of Christ. It, it's a demonstration that loyal love is a demonstration to the neighbors around us, those lost individuals around us, the acquaintances, the strangers. And in this extended series of exhortations that Paul gives throughout this whole chapter, and we're just looking at just a few of them, it is about a devoted love that is attached throughout all of life. We understand, we observe the features that's manifested in Christian fellowship and what makes Christian fellowship to become that that becomes awesome and welcoming is the action of love that comes from a genuine commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and that genuine, genuine love of Jesus affects us and therefore we're able to give Jesus away because of the love that he permeates the existence of who we are. We manifest that love towards unbelievers. We manifest that love, as I said, to fellow believers. We, we understand and we understand even in difficulty and even in opposition we're still called to demonstrate genuine love. And understanding that genuine love, we're admonished to, to continue in the actions of love every day. So I want to give you three basic actions of love based on what Paul says in verses 14 through 16. Three basic actions of love. First of all is this. Genuine love blesses. Genuine love blesses. Go back to see what the verse says. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. To bless someone is a special part of Christian work. It is a special part of the Christian life. It is a special part of accentuating servanthood in this kingdom 
of God that we live in. Such work can be done by doing good for others. And yet whenever you benefit someone else with an activity that helps them to become a better person, then you and I together are blessing them. So it's proper for us to bless those, even those who persecute us. It's easier to bless those who bless us. But the scriptures doesn't give us an option. Paul says we, in genuine love, genuine love blesses regardless of the circumstance and it blesses regardless of the situation that we're going through. It refers to offering up a prayer for a special benefit that comes upon one particular person's life. It's the opposite of cursing them. See, the objects of the words that Paul mentions here is blessing in genuine love and yet even those who persecute us. To, to be persecuted or to, to persecute someone is to pursue them with the view of doing them harm. So Paul says, I want you to bless them. I want you to love them with a genuine love. I want you to love the person who has a view to do harm against you. And yet if we are practicing the action of love based on the Lord Jesus Christ that lives within us, then we understand the importance of that genuine love blessing others. So whenever you realize someone is on your trail <laughs> to harm you, you are to bless them by offering to God a prayer that prays for the special good things to happen to the very person who may want to do harm to you. You can be sure that it's not the normal response. The natural inclination is to curse them. Now, when we think of cursing here, it's not cussing as we might think of bad words or bad actions. We're talking about basically cursing them, as Paul says, is looking to God and saying, God, they have harmed me and I want you to harm them. Paul says, well, I want you to avoid placing a curse upon someone's life. Instead, genuine love blesses the people who even hurt us. I know it's easier said than done. I understand that. I've had that in my life. You've had it in your life. But I guarantee if we could sit down and say, in those instances of our life, you and I realize that, that when we practice that Christian love and that genuine love and we bless someone, even those who try to harm us, we are a better people because of it. But before us are the words, genuine love. The words of genuine love call for blessing. Genuine love calls us to get out of our box. Genuine love calls us to, to want to see good happen in every person's life. The Bible provides us some notable examples. And one of them is the death of Stephen, as well as the death of our own Lord. And yet the man writing this book, that of Paul, would never forget the day that he watched a dying man do this very thing, where he genuinely asked for blessing upon those who were stoning him to death. When the crowd, with the cooperation of Paul at that time, condemned Stephen to death, and it was in the process of stoning him to death, Paul heard Stephen bless the crowd. Of course, Paul was named as Saul at that time. But he heard, he heard what Stephen said. 
He prayed earnestly while the stones were striking his body and it was one more blow of death. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do not lay this sin to their charge. A man who deserved to rise up and fight was a man who was asking God for blessing. Blessing on the ones that was putting him to death. Nothing except genuine love could enable a man to pray in this manner. Natural man wants to pray, O oh Lord, send the fire to consume them because they're mistreating me and they're hurting me. This blessing them can also involve what we say to others. So I ask you this, do you, do you malign yourself with such behavior? Do you tell every bad thing that we can find on someone else? Not if we truly love them. Not if we take the actions that Paul demonstrates here in these words when he says, genuine love blesses. Even when the tongue is constantly being spit at us and the bitter and critical words happen to us, the sign of genuine love is that we do not offer retaliation. So genuine love blesses others. It does not retaliate. A second action of love based on this verse is that genuine love sympathizes. Genuine love sympathizes. And you look what he says, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, who's the ultimate example? But you look back at Jesus. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. He saw the hurt in someone's life and he cried. In other words, he sympathized with the pain that someone had and he cried with them. When they were shouting for joy, he celebrated and he rejoiced. And so we're challenged in, in that action of love is to be genuine in our sympathy with someone else. We have a special word that you and I can hold on together and it's sympathy. A word that says, I feel your pain. A word that says, if I could remove it from your life and put it in my life, I would do it. It's a word that says that if I could change my position so that you could be better off, it's doing that. The Apostle Paul includes two extremes to this admonition. The rejoicing, people, rejoicing with people who are also with great joy and also blessing them through our genuine love because we identify with them and we discern that that joy that they have in their life is joy that we take hold of our own life. We rejoice with them. It causes us to become greater in our joy when we celebrate their joy. But what's the natural tendency sometime of natural man is to become envious. Now, what a, just suppose that someone who works with you gets a special recognition for his effective work or her effective work, maybe even gets a promotion, a promotion you had your eye on, a promotion that you were looking forward to yourself, and yet they come into your work area and they tell you and they sit down in front of you with great joy, they tell, tell you exactly what has happened. They share with you the good news and you could hardly could help them be contained to keep their feet off the ground, to keep their feet on the ground. But yet what is our reaction sometimes? 
Will you be honest with them, smile on the outside, be envious on the end? Or will you begin to feel sorry for yourself and wonder why your work has never been recognized? Or no one recommends you for a promotion? You see, that's the opposite of what Paul's talking about. Genuine love says, I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. Genuinely, I want to see you do well. I am so overjoyed that you got the position. You deserve what you got. And we rejoice with them. Or suppose another person works on sales force with you and she comes into the sales meeting bubbling over with joy because she has set a new record for sales for the company. And you know this means that the unusual high commission follows her as well. Are you going to be happy for her? Are you going to rejoice for her? Are you going to be envious that you didn't top the sales and get the commission? Or ladies, suppose you go visit a neighbor next door and you find that they've refurbished their entire house and she's bubbling over with enthusiasm and joy because she's come across good fortune and she has decorated her house with everything appropriate and richly and, and beautifully done. And as you admire her home, will you really admire her home or will it hurt your heart? Will you be wondering why the nice things that she has, why you've never received them? Or a young person who's at school, the reaction is that you hear of a girl who sits right across from you in Yinga's class who's been elected the favorite of the school, the most popular. Or one of the guys in your math class they, where you, um, they, they've been voted the most handsome in your school but you got no such reward. How are you going to respond in situations like this? Are you going to look in the mirror and pout and wonder why can't you do that? Why can't you ever be recognized? Why can't you ever be uh, put up on a pedestal like others? But see, genuine love sympathizes and says, I weep with those who weep. I rejoice with those who rejoice. I am what I am. I'm not going to be sad for my life. I'm going to be happy for you. And what brings you tears brings me tears. What brings you laughter brings me laughter. That's genuine love. Wasn't our Lord the ultimate example of that love? Never do we find him in a situation where he could not feel with those around him. When they were genuinely blessed, he was glad. And whenever they were brokenhearted, he became a man of sorrow and tears. What we're talking about here is really the feelings of love. Love is able to reach out to others wherever and whenever you identify with someone's situation. You see, love, genuine love blesses. It does not wish harm on anyone. Genuine love sympathizes and does not become envious of anyone. And third of all, in this basic understanding, these three, three basics, basic actions of love is that of genuine love unifies. And you go back to verse 16, and Paul says, be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Already we noticed the words of love, the feelings of love. Now we come to the most important part, and it's the mind of love. It's the mind that you and I put on, the thinking of love, the, the very inundation 
of the Spirit of God in our life that creates the love that says, I want to love that person to the point that I want to be unified with that person. This is a word that's applied to the local church. It's a word that's applied to our families. It's a word that's applied to spouses, to children, to our work environments, wherever we are. It's applied to all the relationships in and around us. And each of us have these three admonitions as a basic understanding of blessing and sympathizing and, and unifying. A humble mind that makes right relationships possible. Look at them individually. Paul says, be of the same mind toward one another. That doesn't mean we're to be uniform. It means that we are to have the like-mindedness. We're to understand the mind and the, and the thoughts of each individual. To understand the, the mind and the thoughts of the fellow men and women of our life. Instead of striding forth into life like you're the only one who knows everything and that everyone should agree with you, it's the opposite of that. If you really love, you'll always seek to encourage and to encourage unity of thought and an action as it relates to the fellow men and women of our life. Love encourages unity. And yet, he says, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And this really touches one of the major causes of disunity among men and women today, selfish ambition. I remember when I left seminary back in 1991, and all my peers around me was telling me, you know, Benji, don't, don't go to the little church out in the country. You know, it felt like I was going to the church of the Wildwood as, as, as they were describing it. But God was calling me to a position I was excited. And the people around me kept saying, hang on, hang on to the bigger church, the bigger salary, the bigger staff, and you'll be happier in life. You won't have to climb the ladder. And I look back at that experience, and I was very tempted to say no to the church I was going to be pastor of. And I look back at that experience, and I would never want anything other than that pastorate that began in my life. No one knew where I was. I got no acclamations. I got no acclaim. It didn't matter if they remembered my name when I left. What really mattered was the fact that God called me right where I was to be. I wanted to be haughty. I wanted to dig into my pride. I wanted to, to associate with those who were no longer lowly. But I look at this verse. Do not be haughty. Swallow your pride. Associate with the people who need you and reach out to the people who, who are among you, regardless if they don't look like you, regardless if they don't smell like you, regardless if they're not the same cup of tea. It's the hardest thing in the world to put self-ambition to the side and to focus on what the Lord wants us to do. Sometimes the no is a yes and a yes is a no. And we have to decipher through and understand those things. And to associate with the lowly may be better translated to be carried along with low things. The word I can refer to and understand is, is lowly things of my life. Because of the contrast, it would seem to be better to relate to those lowly things. Instead of being driven by selfish ambition, we must be willing to involve ourselves in lowly places 
and lowly things of life. We must never allow the ambition and the false dignity keep us from being what God wants us to be. But instead, we should do just as Jesus did and wash their feet. Over in the book of John, you will find where Jesus was with his disciples. And the disciples were so proud of themselves. They had the attention of the Messiah. The world was shut out. There was no one bidden for Jesus' time and attention. But those 12 disciples had Jesus all to themselves. They were like the, the red robin bird that sits on the power line with the chest poked out. Look at me. And they were right there in all of their pride and all of their pretense. And Jesus got up and one by one went around that table. And he began to wash the dirty feet of his disciples. The very ones who have, should have already been washing Jesus' feet. And when he got to Peter, he says, Peter stood up to him and says, No, you're not washing my feet. And then Jesus says, Well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me in my kingdom. In other words, he basically said to Peter, Swallow your pride. Get rid of your self-ambition. And understand the identification today is about being in a lowly place. To be in a place in your life where you're willing to stoop and wash someone else's feet. And I'm going to demonstrate it by washing yours. You see, to remove this selfish ambition and this false dignity will be to remove a major barrier so that the unity of spirit can happen. And what happens is when we remove that selfish ambition, we remove that false dignity, we look at God and we say, God, here am I, use me. Feel me. Make me into the person you have called me to be. Again, this touches on our own opinions of ourself. And Paul says, do not be wise in your own opinion of yourself and your own estimation. Do not be thinking of yourself as possessing all the wisdom in the world. Remember where the wisdom comes from. It is the one who created the world in which you live. We must be willing to be teachable in spirit towards others in the world. We must be willing to be teachable in our environment wherever we are. Whatever position we are in life, whether we hold a high position or we do not. Most of us will want to humbly confess our failures. And we'd like to know that if we humbly confess our failures, there's someone on the other end that identifies with us and says, you are forgiven. In other words, we seek a fresh expression of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So you say, Pastor, how in the world can I develop this genuine love in my life? How can genuine love be a part of my everyday existence? How can it be a part of my thinking? How can it be a part of my heart? How can it be a part of my actions? How do I do that? Well, you're never going to do it. I am never going to do it on my own. It is when you and I walk on our knees long enough and we look to heaven with our hands reached heavenward, waiting to grab the hand of God so that the hand of God can touch us, His Holy Spirit breathe upon us and give us a fresh expression of that Spirit in our life. 
and it produces the kind of fruit in our lives so that we can walk in the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says that we are to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit demonstrates the character of a life submitted to God. So the answer to your question, the answer to my own question is in order to have this genuine love, how do I do it? It is submitting to the Spirit of God. It's allowing the fruit of the Spirit to come alive in our life only because of the demonstration of the Spirit of God intersecting who we are, the character of who we are, so that we can become the character of God in everyday life and action. And part of that is genuine love. So let me ask you this question. How much are you motivated today and shaped by genuine love. Are you committed to these basic actions of blessing others, sympathizing with them, being a person of unity and genuineness in life? How much are you motivated and shaped by that genuine love? Are you committed to these basic actions of love? Well, you've got to go back to that opening statement. Let love be without pretense. If you had to stand before God today and God wanted to squirt out from being in your presence and he wanted to go hide from your face, would that be a love you expect from God? Obviously not. So why do it to someone else? But to love them with all your heart, to love them when your actions, to love them and sympathize and understand them and to walk in their shoes so that you can understand how to help them get from point A to point B. Love and action. You look back at Paul's life, a man who at one time snorted with rage at the thought of Christianity was one who says, I want to know nothing save the Lord Jesus Christ and Him be crucified. A man who was so dependent upon his own self and education finally said that the strength that I have in life comes from the Lord Himself. To realize that He has needs in His life and God will meet every need according to His riches, God's riches in glory. A man who, who recognized the fact that that, that he could never be the person he is and was without the power and the presence of God in his life. So today I want to encourage you to think about your love in action. I want you to think about where you are in loving your spouse, in loving your children, loving your, your boss, loving your, your coworkers, loving the people of your distant family, loving your enemies those who persecute you, those who won't harm against you, to think about where you are in that love relationship with others and to make up your mind today that this is the day that I am going to be a love in action. I'm going to be genuine in my love for God. I promise you, you'll lay your head down at night as I will join you and we'll both say together, there's nothing I regret today because I did my best in genuine love for others. Well, I trust today that you understand the greater love that exists around us. The greater love of just knowing Him 
knowing him as Lord and Savior, knowing him that, that he is all that we need and that he does not pull away his love from us, but he pours his love into us. And if you've never come to know this genuine love of God, then I trust today you'll make that decision. That if you have to, you fall flat down on your face on the floor. Strip yourself of all the pride and get to the most lowly position you can find and say, God, help me, I'm a sinner. Save me from the life that I am in and help me to understand genuine love. I promise you, God will not disappoint you. Your life will become a life of joy. It will become a way in your life you will start seeing people like you've never seen them before. You'll start doing things that you never thought you could ever do. You'll hug the people that you never thought you could hug, and you'll love on the people you never thought you could love. Why? Because genuine love affected you first. Where God has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, and you're standing there a free man and a free woman. Will you commit your life to genuine love? Make it, make it a point to be a person of action and a person of love. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that this morning as we, we hunker down in our minds and our hearts and we've, we've moved away from any of those distractions and we've heard some things that, that may have struck a chord, that we don't run from that conviction, but we submit to that conviction and we listen to what you're calling us to do and calling us to be. Father, first of all, thank you for your love. And without a shadow of a doubt, it's a genuine love. A love that says and demonstrated through Christ, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. A love that says that regardless of how, how awful your life has been, and even though you deserve the worst, today you'll be with me in paradise, he says to the criminal on the cross. Father, thank you that that love saves us. That love melts us and makes us and molds us into the person that you've designed us to be. Thank you for the character transplanting, liberating experience that we have through the Lord Jesus. Father, may each of us find encouragement because we've been the product of genuine love in our life, not only from you, but from others. And that now we're given the baton that's been passed to us to stand tall, to stand face to face with even those of our enemies and to love those with your genuine love. Father, thank you that that love is so powerful and so permeating and it is so welcomed. And may we be a welcome sight in someone else's eyes. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Listen to this song about knowing Jesus, knowing the Lord. And as you listen to this song, I trust that it will become a song of commitment for you. Because if you don't know him the way you should know him, why not just let go and let God have his way with you? I promise you'll never regret it and you'll be filled with greatest joy. So let's rejoice together in this song of knowing him and, and committing our life uh, to living for him. I want to dear, build my life 
adore my righteousness and I love you Joy, my righteousness, and I love. 